Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Visibility matters. And today's guest, Karen Kendra Holmes, has been showing up and making a difference in her community not just as a member of the transgender community, but most of her life. Being of service to others is just what she does. Karen has been doing volunteer work with the Maryland Defense Force under the Maryland National Guards, with the Chaplain's Unit, and with the Honor Guard. She's also done volunteer work with the American Red Cross for the National Capital Region and the Mass Care for Montgomery County Chapter. For several years, she has been volunteering with Community Emergency Response Team in Prince George's County, Maryland, and also with the Medical Reserve Corps. When not speaking in person or virtually, Karen continues working with local police departments, helping to bring dignity and respect to police interactions with members of the transgender community. She was recognized twice as Soldier of the Year by the State Guard Association of the United States and the Maryland State Guard Association. This award-winning public servant and transgender advocate shared her passion for helping others transition and to foster acceptance and support from those around them in a 2018 TEDx talk. Karen, Welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. Well, Karen, it's good to talk to you again. I want to welcome you back to Collections by Michelle Brown. How have you been? I've been great, just uh, taking things day by day, especially with this COVID uh, going on. And I got my first shot already, and I'm getting ready to get my second one on Friday, which will be nice. Uh-huh. Um, did you get the Moderna or, or Pfizer? Uh, the Pfizer. Oh, that's what I had. I yeah. had my second one over the weekend. And the thing uh-huh. that was so fun, I was, I stumbled and and um, banged up my toe. And, oh, you, know, wow. I, you know, people, many people are concerned about, you know, oh, and, and I want to tell them that, first of all, the shot didn't hurt. I mean, if you have piercings, it's, you know, it's less than that. And I think I spent more time worrying about how my toe was hurting than the injection site. So, you know, I'm glad that that you're doing it, and I strongly encourage everyone to get that shot. You know, if it's available, go get it. Right. I got very lucky uh, getting my shot because what happened was I teach also on the side CPR, first aid, 
in AED. I'm a certified instructor, and I've been teaching and training the nurses at a nursing home, uh, both in Columbia, Maryland, and also in Olney, Maryland, same company but different locations. And I mm-hmm. asked the, uh, my contact person there, I said, you know, I come onto your site to teach your staff as well as they come to my house, like if it's just like one person. I said, do you think I should get the uh, shot? And the lady goes, you know, that's a very good thing we should do. So that's how I got mm-hmm. my first one. Like I said, I'm getting the second one on this Friday. That's awesome. You know, I mean, I am not surprised that you're doing that and you're of service. I mean, we talked um, a while back, and one of the things about you throughout your life is you have been of service to others. So for you to say that you're teaching CPR and that, you know, and that even to the point where you're having some people come to your home to do one, I am not surprised. Service <laughs> is, I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's just you. I mean, that is just you. Service has well, always been a part of you. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you said that because um, I've also written about this in uh, my article that I do every two weeks with uh, Baltimore Out Loud newspaper, but it was about volunteering. Um, and I feel like um, I've been infected with a virus, and the virus is called volunteer. And I'm just going out there and hopefully infecting everybody else out there that they'll go out and do some volunteer work as well. Because when you give back to other people and you see their their faces change from maybe a sad day to a happy day because you did something nice for them, whether it's to eat or, you know, they may have broken down on the road or had an accident and you show up to help them out, um, it's, it's a great feeling. Wow. You know, I mean, you've done a lot, but volunteering is at your core. And, you know, often people, even now, you see people who don't understand someone who's transgender. And basically, you know, you are now on the outside who you've always been on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, what, can you, can you bring those who did not hear your first choice, bring us up to date on how you started, what influenced you to be of service to the community, and how that has affected and influenced others as they watch you as you've transitioned? Um, Well, it's kind of interesting, and and what I'll do is I'll kind of take you before my transition. Um, Okay. As Tony, Tony, um, Mm -hmm. I used to volunteer a lot with cystic fibrosis, helping out with um, the walk-a-thon, golf matches, tennis matches, and stuff like that, and and it was just, you know, spending time doing that uh, for the volunteers. And um, it just kind of grew on me. And then, of course, um, as Tony, I was also uh, the president of the Park Police Volunteer Association for Prince George's County, uh, volunteering for them. Uh, also volunteering for Red Cross, uh, CERT, which is Community Emergency Response Team. And also RSVP, which is Retired Seniors volunteer program. So I enjoyed doing a lot of that, just giving back to the community. And um, it's so funny because when I told each and every 
one of my volunteer groups, such as Red Cross, CERT, and RSVP, I said, I got something to tell you. And they gave me this funny look like, what are you going to tell me? And I said, well, I'm, trans I'm transgender. And each and every one of them said, I thought you were going to leave the organization. And, to, yeah, and it was just so funny that each and every one of them said the exact same thing, and none of them knew each other. So for them to tell me that, it just means that they valued what I was bringing to their organization as a human being and not looking at the fact that I'm transgender. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, really, because that's part of you living your authentic life. This is who you are. You know, this is in your core about giving, giving back. You know, I know that in your bio you talked as early as 13 that you started dressing in clothes mm -hmm. that were for women. Did you, did it, you know, here you wanted to help people, but who was there to help you, you know, go down this journey? <laughs> well, I had a very, very good friend of mine who I met on Facebook. Her name is Alicia. And uh, when I met Alicia, she, you know, we met at Face, you know, at, um, at one of the clubs and she eventually told me that she was going to go to this conference up in Philadelphia, and, uh, and it was called the Philadelphia Trans Health Conference back then. Now it's called the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference, and it's a totally free conference. And for three days, you know, I thought at first I was just going to go there and enjoy dressing up every day and, and mingling with people there. And when I got there, I basically saw kids five, six, and seven years old that were you know, transgender, which I never really grasped what that meaning meant back then. And I'm like, wow, those kids are very happy and their parents are, you know, just enjoying their their kid being happy. And so then I also went to a lot of the workshops that I signed up for hearing their stories. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly who I am. And so when I left that conference, um, heading back to D.C. and you know, driving back, I'm like, oh, I got to do something. I have to transition, you know, and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking in my head, this should work pretty good for me because of the fact my agency that I work for, they know who I am. They know that I'm doing all this volunteer stuff in the community um, and service work, and I think they'll get along with it okay. And so when I broke the news to a very good friend of mine, Andrea, at work, She's an attorney for our agency. Um, I told her my story, and she's, I said, you know, I don't know what to do. She says, let me talk to the director in civil rights and inclusiveness and tell, you know, the director your story and see where it goes. And she goes, and I won't tell them your name. I'll just say I've got somebody who came to my office. And I said, great. And when she told my story to the director, she said, that she was kind of in tears, and I'm like, wow. I said, well, okay, I'll meet with her. And when I talked to the director, I got the same response, and I'm like, mm. this is going to work. And um, she said, I'm going to tell the uh, CEO of the agency, you know, we have somebody who wants to transition and see where it goes. And she came back and told me that the CEO said, without a doubt, we're going to go full force and give total support for, you know, this person. 
And so uh, that's how it all started. We had a three-month game plan where I couldn't tell anybody, and uh, we wanted to tell the entire agency across the country the same day, the same time, so that way it didn't get leaked out at all. And that's where it all started at there. So I had very good support. And when I left, I thought, oh, I may have like a 5%, 5 to 10% of an issue with people at work, you know. And really mm-hmm. when I came back, I only had like 2%. And um, uh, to tell you how that turned around to be 1% to 0%, it's been awesome. Mm. You know, the fact that at 13 you knew, but you didn't have words or the language or support group. Then you go to this this conference and you see kids. Does that help when you're now, when you're talking with young children or even with parents, does it help that you had these experiences? And so even if they say, because, I mean, I have heard, you know, parents go like, oh, well, they're just, they don't know what they want. You know, they're too young uh-huh. or they just don't know. Does it help that not only did you know at 13, but you met other kids? Does it help you be able to talk to to parents and help them recognize that this is still their kid, they just need to love them, you know, if there's nothing right. wrong with them? Yeah, and, I, you know, the, the fortunate part for me, I was 53 when <laughs> I finally uh, transitioned. That's why my my website and my TED talk that I did back in 2018 was called 40 years and wandering no more because it actually took me 40 years to figure this crap out. Um, Mm -hmm. But once I did, um, I'm able to tell my story a year later to start talking to other people and trying to encourage uh, the transgender community who is struggling through all of this that yes, you can be successful at who you are and living your authentic self. When I tell them, you know, the stories of me joining the Maryland Defense Force, which supports the Maryland National Guards um, in 2011, a year after I transitioned full-time on the job, and to be a part of a military kind of group, uh, the Maryland Defense Force is a title, under Title 32 of the militia but we very much supported the Maryland National Guards. And then a year later, in 2012, to receive NCO Soldier of the Year, which is non-commissioned officer uh, for the state of Maryland and the Maryland Defense Force, um, put me up for that award and received it. That was a great honor. And to have the female soldiers come up to me and go, great job, you're doing it for us, and them not knowing that I'm transgender made it even more popular. The sad part about it, even though it was great to to get that recognition and the women said, great job, you're doing it for us. That's true, but I'm also doing it for the transgender community, which I really mm-hmm. couldn't say because they weren't ex- receiving us. And then in 2013, by the State Guard Association of the United States, I ended up receiving Soldier of the Year of the country, which is about 23,000 soldiers out of 24 states. So... And here again, female soldiers are coming up and saying, great job, you're doing it for us. And I'm like, yeah, but I still can't say nothing, you know, about it and Mm -hmm. who I really am, which is a struggle for me because I was very proud of myself being transgender and being able to go out there 
and be a proud transgender and a soldier doing things out there in the community and couldn't give our community the recognition that it really needed to receive at that time. Well, you know, one thing you have to say, it might have taken you 40 years, but that's also (laughs) encouragement to me. For someone who's thinking like, oh, well, you know, I've waited this long. You know, you don't have to. It's never too too late. And and that it isn't something that just happened, you know, you can't just flick a switch. That you were thoughtful, you were deliberate, you did it, you persevered. And I'm going to tell you, girl, I wouldn't tell anybody I'm 53. You're beautiful. I mean, you have, you know, you are, you are so beautiful. You know, well, often, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm 64 now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the interesting part is, you know, being able to, like I said, encourage, you know, other people and the parents to say, well, wait, maybe my child can be successful at transitioning and stuff because of what all the things that I'm doing, and they've been all in a very positive way, Um so, and I've had a lot of parents come up to me and go, wow, you know, you, first of all, the first thing they say is, you make me feel bad because you're doing all this volunteer stuff and I'm staying at <laughs> home or something. And I tell them, I said, don't feel bad. I said, this is who I am. I said, you do you, let me just do me. And I'm just happy to be able to serve other people this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm glad that you never gave up on caring. Because I know I, know I was reading and how you said, you know, you had one marriage or the second marriage. You, you thought you could put Karen, Karen in the closet. And Karen said, no, mm-hmm. you know, no, <laughs> you cannot. And Karen, just like you have that history of volunteerism and you've done these amazing things, Karen is that woman. You're strong. Yeah. You're resilient. You hang in there, and, you know, and Karen said, I'm not going to be denied. <laughs> right. I'm not going to be denied, you know. Do you, you know, well, it's you still Go ahead. Yeah, an interesting thing that I, I wanted to say in my struggles of, of who I was, and, and because I am v- religious, thinking I was doing something really bad and evil, I mean, actually one particular night I went to a cliff throwing all my clothes off a cliff thinking I was killing mm-hmm. Karen that was inside of me. And, um, mm-hmm. of course, a couple of months later, you know, I'm back, <laughs> you know. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I just said, you know, I kept praying about it. I said, Lord, show me, tell me, why do I keep dressing? And basically I have to say that going to the conference <clears throat> uh, at Philadelphia in 2010, that was what – He was waiting to show me. I mean, Mm. I think if I had transitioned when I was 18 or something like that, um, I probably, to be honest, I would be this wild child. And I think God's timing to come out at the age of 53, it was like, you're ready. You know, we're going to let you go ahead and do this thing. And the process for me to go through getting my name changed in a couple of months, getting my Social Security card, driver's license done within a, a couple of days after that, um, and then later getting my passport and have passport people call me because the file is sitting on his desk and he's wondering if I'm going to do anything to do it, to change my passport. And I'm like, this is unheard of that they're mm-hmm. calling me, <laughs> you know. So 
you know, it just, things just kept going in place time after time. And I knew that this is what God had in, in mind for me. And so I try to live up to that each and every day that I'm on a mission and a mission mm. to serve others and to uh, be that pillar of light for other transgender people out there who just are struggling. You know, there's one point, an estimate of 1.4 million transgender Americans in this country, and we're like DNA. Each and every one of us has a different story. I mean, we're very, very close. There's going to be that similarity between me and somebody else that's going to make us a difference in who we are in our story. And I always call it like, it's like DNA. It's close, but mm-hmm. not quite. And that's, that's just it. You know, it's funny. Um, I have a friend who has been through many trials and tribulations. And, and part of it, like, she has struggled with religion and trying to figure out, but uh-huh. now where she's at, she said that um, she went through these trials and tribulations, and she felt because God was taking her to the point to which to say, this is your assignment, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what it sounds like, like for you. You know how they have a song, be patient with me, God is not through with me yet. God was like, you no. know, not quite. I got to tweak you. I got to tweak you a little bit more, Karen. Okay, <laughs> now go out there and do this. How did you right. come to do a TED Talk? How did I do a TED Talk? That's interesting. Yeah. Here again, it falls into me going out and doing a volunteer thing for uh, transgender people in New Jersey. It was a conference put on for them. And just sitting there and talking with one of the um, – the director for the conference uh, and telling him my story and who I was, he goes, have you ever done a uh, TED talk? And I'm like, no, but I knew it was going to be very, very scary if I was to do one. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, he said, you really need to put your story out there. He says, our next theme that's coming up is called passion. And he said, you've got a lot of passion. He says, let me put you in touch with the director uh, with TEDx out at Ashbury Park, New Jersey, and uh, see what happens. So he texts the guy, and so I think it was like the second day I'm um, at one of uh, a workshop, and it happened to be my uh, surgeon who did my big surgery. Um, and so what I did was I got up and I was talking about her her demeanor and her surgery for me and stuff like that. And um, lo and behold, the person that was sitting behind me was the director for TEDx Ashbury Park. So afterward he goes, Mm -hmm. are you Karen? And he goes, I go, yeah. And he goes, I just got a text message from somebody saying that, you know, I needed to talk to you because you have a lot of passion in what's going on as far as being transgender. And so I'm like, wow. (laughs) And so he says, put in the application, and let's see where it goes. And so I said, okay. So it took me probably like about three weeks before I really filled out the application because, like I said, this is the big stage, basically, and I was really nervous about doing something like that. And so I finally did. Uh, My application got accepted. They told me, uh, we want you to do – 
an audition for us. Either you can do a tape or come in and do it live. And I said to myself, I think I want to go in there and do it live because if I do it live, they can see the emotions and the expressions that I'm putting into this talk. And so it was a five-minute talk uh, when I went out there. And next thing I know, a couple of weeks later, I get this uh, email saying, congratulations, we want you to come on and do the live talk. And I was like, wow. And so it was, it was more scary, but I, I just kept it together. And it's so weird because I had my speech all lined up in my head. Um, it was supposed to be a 10-minute talk. And so my coach had me um, talk about my talk before eight other coaches. And after that, um, I get this, you know, comments back and forth from some of the coaches. And next thing I know, I got assigned to a new coach. And the new coach totally changed my my talk around. It wanted yeah. me to be more positive in talking about Tony and then jumping into Karen. And I was like, wow, uh, this is totally different than the way I normally do it. And so the um, I went on and practiced it. And the next day I had um, an audition by, you know, uh, on Skype with my new coach. And my new coach goes, wow, I can't believe it. You blew it out of the park. He says, I've never had anybody to be able to take the instructions I gave them the day before, and they changed it totally, and it came out great. He says, I've got you to 95% ready for the talk, but I want you to talk to one more coach, and they're going to get you to 110. So I talked to that one. Um, She changed a little tweaking. She said, I want you to be a little more passionate about who Tony was to come into uh, who you are today. So I did that and um, went on out to New Jersey to Ashbury Park, sat there seeing all of these other wonderful people that were coming up on stage because we had like a, a uh, not an audition, but a rehearsal the night before. And to hear mm-hmm. their stories, I'm like, wow, I'm up against some good people here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um, when I got up and did mine, my coach, the very first coach, he came back there and he, he was in tears. He says, I can't believe mm-hmm. it. You such an awesome job. And I said, please don't cry. I said, you're going to make me cry. I said, I just hope this carries. I just hope this carries over until tomorrow when I do the live show. And uh, did it the next day, and bam, knocked it out of the park again, and it was really awesome. Mm. Now my TED talk, TEDx talk, Ashbury Park, has made it to the big main website, uh, TEDx. I'm sorry, TED Talk. And so now it's Mm -hmm. on there right now. So I've got it in two different places. And uh, just recently I was contacted by TEDx Talk um, to see about doing a one-minute thing with other people. They were all like some of their past speakers. They wanted us to come up and talk about um, treat, you know, treat others as you wish to be treated. And so that was what it was supposed to be on for about one minute talk. And so I I got mine together. I got it down to like 50, between 50 and 55 seconds, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. But 
and they were supposed to get released uh, April 1st, and they postponed it because some of the other speakers couldn't keep it under a minute. <clears throat> and so I was like, wow. I said, I don't know why they couldn't do it. I said, I, <laughs> it just formulated in my head. And what I did, if you want to hear what I wrote, yeah. um, uh, the title of it, of course, was Respecting Each Other. And so I started off saying, teach others as you wish to be treated is not just a cliche. It's the golden rule. In life, I have feelings, a mind, and a heart that serves and cares for others. I am a human being and wish to be treated as one. Like you would treat your mother, father, children, siblings, and friends, just like you treat them with respect, I too want to be treated with respect. The only difference between them and me I am a transgender woman who works for the federal government now for almost 20 years, a military veteran who was given the honor of Soldier of the Year by the State Guard Association of the United States in 2012. So please treat me as you would treat, be treated. It's the golden rule and the right thing to do. And that was it. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, everybody should hear that. And like you said, it's it's on you know it's in the time frame, but it's so powerful. It's like it is treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, right. I mean, it, it, it's just so powerful. Sharon, let's take our first break, and when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your TED Talk and about you. So we'll be right back. <laughs> This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I am talking with Karen Kendra Holmes. Karen, I have a question. Okay. Many of our trans brothers and sisters don't want to talk about, in fact, they're like adamant, you know, don't call me by my, the name they were given at birth, um, some of them refer to it as their dead name. Um, Mm -hmm. I know one person who said, you know, that once they they tra- started to transition even before they had, you know, when they knew that they were, they changed their name, and they don't even use that name ever. Mm-hmm. How did it mm-hmm. feel when they asked you to go back and talk about, to begin your TED Talk, talking about Tony? Wow. Um, that's a great question, Michelle. I, it's, it was tough because I know doing my talk, I had to refer to him or he, Mm -hmm. and I had never done that before uh, in any of my speeches when I talked. So it was really tough. And the interesting part about it all 
during my talk, I showed the audience the awards that Tony had received from, I think it was like 2000 to 2008. Um, and then I showed on another screen <clears throat> all the awards that I received as Karen. And uh-huh. it was so funny, you know, I, I basically said, you know, in 2003, there was an award that I, Tony received for Willis, the Willis Green Community Service Award. That's doing outstanding service work in the community because our agency is so much involved with volunteering and stuff like that. And then in 2014, I received the Willis Green Community Service Award as Karen. <clears throat> and a lot of people would come up to me and go, didn't you receive that award before? And I go, nope. I said, Tony received that award before I received this now. <laughs> so, And, of course, the audience just cracked up laughing because <clears throat> that's how we see ourselves. But I tell a lot of people, I say, Tony is gone but not forgotten. He is the springboard mm-hmm. to who Karen is today, doing volunteer stuff prior to me, and now I'm carrying that legacy, basically, to carry on. But I do indicate one thing to the audience and anybody I'm talking to is I've got more awards than Tony does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Like you said, it was just a springboard onto the next step, you know. Yeah. Um, that's great. Now, have you heard from other people in the trans community who heard your TED Talk? And how, how, did, how did they see it? Do they find it a helpful journey, something that they can identify with? Um, are they critical of you starting talking about Tony? And how does that work within your community? How has um, it worked? Yeah, I, I do hear a lot of people that come up to me afterward when I speak or show them, because a lot of times sometimes I also will play the, the TEDx talk um, to the audience at the first beginning portion of the conference or, or my speaking. And mm-hmm. a lot of them will come up to me afterward and go, wow, you know, you're my hero. You've helped me through the process I'm going through. And I don't look at myself as a hero. I, I tell people just like I did in my TED Talk, I'm this giant pebble that's been tossed into a body of water. And the ripple effect is my story. And I tell people, I said, you've heard my story. I want you to now share it with others, to tell mm-hmm. people, you know, oh, transgender people are this and, and that. And then you can jump in there and go, no, that's not true. I know somebody personally who is transgender where I've met them, I've talked to them, and they're nothing like what you see on Jerry Springer's show, you know. Mm-hmm. We're doing positive things in the community. You know, we're police officers, firefighters, military, judges, politicians, actors, actresses. You know, we're doing all of these great things. I wish in the the acting field they would give us better roles and roles that we're in, not so much having somebody portray or play our part. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. That is just, like, so crazy because there's so many talents. Although now you're starting to see people who are doing it, but for the longest, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. people who won awards for playing trans people who want trans. And here there are right. people who are trans <laughs> men and women, who actors who 
who should be getting these awards, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wanted so, to you know, you know, you know, I wanted to say one little thing as far as my name. Um mm-hmm. and I really, you know, wholeheartedly know that this is who I am. My mom had never told me this story, but when I was breaking the news to her that I was going to transition, uh, the the night I was sitting in our sunroom talking, and and I told her, you know, that my name was going to be Karen. She never told me this before, but she said when she was pregnant, she said if she was going to have a girl, she was going to name it Karen. And I just totally lost it that night because I said, now I know for sure this is who I mm-hmm. am. Mhm. Wow. Wow. I mean, that is that is something you know that she knew. You know, like she, yeah. if she had a girl, she was gonna name her Karen. And you had not discussed the name or anything. You just you you chose Karen. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a lot of people say, you know, why don't you go with Tony with an I or Antoinette? Uh, some had mm-hmm. names that I'm like, no way. Um, but. I said, no, there's something about Karen I have to stay with. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I just need to stay with Karen. And now I know why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is, that is, I mean, isn't that when you hear those things, cause if you had not brought that up, that would have probably got lost somewhere, you know, that, 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 that she was thinking that. And here, mm-hmm. you know, wow. Did that make you too like a special bond when she told you that, a closeness? I mean, me and, me and my mom are, are close. Um, matter of fact, I actually moved back with her because she's right now 83 years old, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be here just in case something happens to her, you know, that she needs my help. So we do clash, <laughs> as women do, in the same household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, we do make up or uh, we do move on eventually and um, just take it the next step. But um, she's not only been very supportive of me, but she's been very proud of me. And uh, she knows the things that I'm doing out here in the community. She knows the people I'm meeting, you know, from politicians to chief of police and stuff like that, And which leads me up to um, I'm going to be Working and last year in January, I went to this program with the Department of Justice Community Relations Services Department, mm-hmm. and I will, along with 14 other transgender people who have gone through this training, along with about maybe 10 other law enforcement officers from around the country, and we will get teamed up one-on-one with an officer and go around the country and speak to other law enforcement agencies to bridge that gap between the transgender community and law enforcement. So because of COVID, that got delayed here. Um, Hopefully uh, things will get revved back up uh, this year and we can continue doing something I think law enforcement would love to to know and hear. Um, I actually do ride-alongs right now in Prince George's County, Maryland, because two girls were murdered in the mm-hmm. Fairmont Heights area in Maryland, and the district uh, commander asked me, she goes, I got a hold of my number from her corporal who met me at, a, at an event, and she goes, look, I'm tired of, you know, pushing the girls from Maryland to D.C. D.C. pushes them back to Maryland. 
and we're playing this ping pong match back and forth. She said, I don't want to arrest the girls because if I arrest them, they'll just be back out on the street again. Is there anything you can do to help? And I said, I don't know about exactly helping, helping, but I'll take the challenge and go out there and do whatever I can to, to help. So we started a coalition in Prince George's County. It's about 10 other uh, organizations. And what I've been doing is, until COVID hit again, um, riding a pl- with a police officer every two weeks, and we're riding up and down in the Fairmont Heights area, mainly on Eastern Avenue, uh, which is the borderline. And if I see any of the girls, I will. the officer will stop. <clears throat> I get out of the cruiser, go over and talk to them. At first, they're a little leery because of the fact, you know, I'm getting out of a police car mm-hmm. and going up to talk to them. But I break the ice and I just say, hey, we're out here. Just want to make sure you're safe and stuff like that. And by the way, I'm transgender too. And they're like, oh, you are? And we talk a little bit. And I say, look, if you see these officers riding up and down Eastern Avenue, they're not here to bust you. They're here to make sure you're safe. I said, so don't worry. Just, you know, that's what they're here for. And I said, you see this face, which is my face, Remember this face because I will be out here checking on y'all as well and see what we can do. Um, And I actually had one girl who called me up one afternoon because she had gotten raped. She was at the hospital, and she called me on the hospital phone rather than her cell phone. And I was on Metro train at the time being, and I couldn't really hear her. And I said, I kind of think I know who it is, but I wasn't sure. I didn't hear her name too well on the train. So later that evening, I contacted the sergeant that's part of that program for the officers riding up and down Eastern Avenue. And I said, look, this girl called me. She got raped. I said, is there any way I can go out and ride tomorrow on the short notice? And she said, absolutely. So I got the clearance and I went on out. I couldn't find the girl. We rode around for like three hours, but she never came out. So I'm really anxious to get back out there because I really want to see how they're doing out there. But um, right now I've got to sit tight and just wait. But I have contacted the sergeant a couple of times. They're still doing the program. And we haven't, praise God, we haven't had any more murders in that area um, as well. You know, when we started talking, uh, you know, it was, really not long after Trump came in. And, you know, it seems like he tried to put things in there to discriminate against trans people. We still see trans sisters and trans brothers being attacked and murdered. When Mm -hmm. do you, as you were talking about, like the police came to you to sort of see that. Mm -hmm. Do you see a change not only there but even, I mean, we can then obviously saying trans people again can go back into the military. And and you have both connections. Are you seeing a difference where people are like, you know, we want to know about the community, not demonize them? Mm-hmm. Um, I know with the officers that I've rode with, um, they definitely have a different view of how transgender people are. Even the girls that are out on the street, they know they're out there because they've lost their home. They don't have any food on their table. They don't have a job. 
so they understand these boundaries that have been, or walls that have been put up. Um, I actually met one girl out on the street. This girl knows Excel, Word Perfect, and all. And I'm like saying to myself, I didn't say this to her, like, why are you out here? It had to be because of the fact she's transgender. They probably fired her. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully I'll get back out there and be able to find those answers. But, um, and the officers definitely have a different light when I'm riding with them. And some of them I'm riding with the same officer, but they're getting to hear who I am and a little bit of a story about it. Um, in 2018, I actually teamed up with a, a friend now who is a retired major from Prince George's County Police, and she was doing like the Transgender 101. And then she would introduce me as a very good friend, she would say, um, to tell my story. And when I got up, you could literally hear a pen drop. You know, when Mm -hmm. she was doing the training, you know, when it came to frisking transgender people because, you know, they're being arrested or whatever the case may be, you know, you would hear snickers, comments, people are saying like, well, how do you know that's not a gun there or something? And then I'm like, I'm I'm sitting in a classroom and I'm going, I can't believe they're asking these really stupid questions I felt. But I said, you know what? They probably really don't know. So with me getting up there and telling them my story and you could hear a pen drop, I mean, they were so attentive. And so after I finished, I would go back to the back of the room and sit And when the instructor released them for a break or something, you know, they're coming right past me to go out the door. And the first time this happened, I thought they were going to shake my hand. Each and every one of the the cadets gave me a hug. I even got an email later night from one of the cadets saying, you know, that she really enjoyed enjoyed it. So I did like about maybe two other trainings with uh, their academy class. And actually, last year I got invited to their graduation, um, and that was a big honor, you know, saying, wow, they thought about me to, to have me come to their graduation and introduce me as one of the the trainers, you know. So yeah. I'm hoping the same effect is going to happen when I go um, on the road, you know, to these other states to talk to other law enforcement agencies um, and the same thing, I'm getting the same kind of response, basically, when I speak at military uh, facilities such as Fort Detrick, Fort Meade. Um, I actually did the Navy Yard uh, as well. And and some of them I've gotten repeatedly to come back, like at Fort Detrick again, at Fort Meade. I'm actually on their network uh, cable that goes around the world for uh, at Fort Meade. Um, it's on their cable thing too. So I've gotten a lot of a lot of good response. Um and at Fort Dietrich actually the second time I went there they actually had a transgender woman uh being the uh I guess the host of the uh, conference for uh uh Pride Month. So it was pretty cool. Mhm. Wow, that is that is great. You know, because visibility really matters, you know, and it's like one thing you know, to see people on television because then, you know, oh, they're actors, they're getting paid and, or, oh, you know, but to have that one-on-one to see you, you know, and I'm, and don't get me wrong, I take nothing away from Laverne Cox, you know, she is a goddess, you know, (laughs) but 
I mean. I wish I could meet her in person. I really do. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, you and me. You and me. When either of us get the invitation, we'll call the other. But, you know, like at gotcha. that training, they'll be, you know, they might say, oh, you know, Laverne Cox, you know, look, all these people who are really big stars, but here you are, and you're talking about something that they're doing. You're talking about something that's happening in their community, and they can relate to you, you know, right. in a way that, you know, not on the big screen or the small screen. Here you're right there. And that really is what changes people's perceptions because, like you said, they can't go back and say, I don't know anybody trans now. They know you, and they've met right. you, and they've heard you, you know. It's funny that you said that because, you know, when Caitlyn Jenner came out, everybody in the community was really hating on her. And I mm-hmm. I basically said, I don't hate Caitlyn Jenner. I, I embrace it because of the fact that people don't know or may not ever get to meet Caitlyn Jenner in person to hear her story like I'm telling it to people in person. So I look at mm-hmm. Caitlyn Jenner as, you know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll tag on her tail because, you know, people are going to, which have, has happened, is actually come to me and ask me questions that they probably thought about maybe wish they could ask Caitlyn Jenner but couldn't because they, they don't know her. But, yes, they know mm-hmm. me. And it also opens the doors because, you know, mm-hmm. people go like, whoa, people want to hear about someone, you know, oh, well, there might be conversations about it, but here is a real, uh, you know, a regular, somebody who could be your neighbor, come out and, yeah. and talk. And that is, like, so, so very important. You know, um, do you, you, know, do you I, find... Real quick, I was just going to yeah, say I mean, real quick, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about people on the big screen and and actresses or actors, you know, that we would love to see or meet. <clears throat> I Two months ago... Not even two months ago, it was probably a month, month and a half ago, I got a message from a Facebook friend who I've never met, and she told me, and I'm trying not to get emotional on this, she said, I'm on her bucket list to meet in person. And I went, mm-hmm. I went I'm on your bucket list? I'm like, wait a minute, on my bucket list is meeting President Obama. <laughs> and yet I'm on her. And yet I'm on her bucket list, and I'm like, I can't believe it. And in my heart, and I'm going to try my best, I'm going to try to get out there and actually meet her or or she comes to D.C. area to make sure that I meet Um, And it's just awesome. Well, you know what? That's that's something that that you're going to have to uh, – where do they live? Um, I want to say it was um, Arizona – no, I think it was Chicago because, yeah – she was. In, mm-hmm. I think it was Chicago, Indiana, because I know it was close. That she said she was in driving distance to get to. If I like ever got to Chicago to to speak out there, so yeah. Oh, that's doable. Well, we can make we can make that oh, yeah. happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that sounds very, very. I mean, Chicago. I mean, you know, I mean that, oh, that's, yeah. that's possible. Oh yeah. You know. Then maybe um, I can also meet my ex, who totally disapproves and. Probably hates my guts, but you know what? I I feel like you know. Hey, you say you're a Christian, you're supposed to you know forgive and and all this kind of stuff. And I've been trying to reach her to just basically say, 
Hey, I was sorry because, you know, even though when she accused me of dressing and I was always denying it, but I didn't know who I was, and now I know. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, please, you know, accept my apology, but she won't call me back or anything. And I have met, you know, my previous uh, two out of the three stepchildren, but I've actually talked to all three. And, you know, her youngest sister, we've talked several times. So, you know, it's just something she's got to deal with, you know. And people keep saying okay. to me, why do you keep, or why do you feel you need to apologize? And I said, well, as a Christian, I want to ask for, a, you know, for forgiveness. And I want to say I'm sorry, just to clear that air, because I was wrong, but I accept who I am, and I'm totally happy, 200% happier. Mm -hmm. I can understand that, because it's not like, you know, you're not asking for approval, you're not doing it, but during that period of time, because often you can unintentionally, you know, you mm -hmm. weren't being malicious, not trying to cause pain, but you recognized that there was, as you were traveling down this pathway, it did cause a pain there that, you know, you were in pain and, and she was, and you're just acknowledging that, you know. So, right. I mean, I can see, you know, as part of, you know, your life will go on. You'll continue to be mm -hmm. the goddess that you are. But, you know, <laughs> it was, it's just uh. like, you know, life, is, especially now, life is so short to go to hold that in your heart. And for her, to, she needs to let that go, you know. So, well, we'll do, well, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. You know, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. So we're going to take our second break. And um, okay. I want to talk about what you're doing now, the things you're doing now, and how you and our community are dealing with COVID. So we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown talking with Karen Kendra Holmes. You know, as you said, you were, <laughs> excuse me, riding with the police, and they were talking about how the girls would go from one city to the next, and they didn't want to arrest them. But also, you know, in this time of COVID, okay, first of all, if you're, a, a, you know, if you're a sex worker, you're at risk. You uh -huh. were already at risk of being victimized more than once. But we also know that many in our trans community, like you said, the woman who knew all of this, this, this tech stuff and she or she was unemployed, you're unemployed, which means that you might not have access to health care. You might 
your home might be challenged as you're going around and lifting up the trans community. What are you seeing that are really the challenges under this pandemic? Uh, well, right now, you know, which I wish I could be out there. I would love to see, hey, that they're wearing masks. They're, you know, it's kind of hard to be doing social distancing. It's probably even harder when the sex workers are doing things, you know, where they have to lower their masks. It, it's just, mm-hmm. but I want to see, hey, try to get be safe as much as possible. Uh, try to talk to them as far as uh, giving the COVID shot, you know, um, that would definitely help some. Uh, I tell people now, even though I'm going to get my second shot on Friday, I'm still going to follow the golden rules as far as, you know, social distancing, wearing a mask, you know, uh, just to be on the safe side, you know, um, in case something does happen. I want to make sure that that person knows that they're protected by me and I'm protected by them. Um, mm-hmm. COVID is really, you know, really set things back for me to be able to do that. I mean, I had game plan to with the other organizations to do a, a, a fair where we could go through and talk to them about health. We can go through and talk about jobs. I wanted to invite companies to come out and meet these girls. I wanted to have like a little table set up to say, hey, this is how you fill out a resume. This is how we also conduct an interview. I wanted to do that role play across the table with them. Um, I wanted other people to come in from uh, um, thrift shops or Goodwill to be a part of this as well. Um, My big thing was we put a lot of donations into these organizations such as uh, Salvation Army and thrift shops, and then they turn around and sell it. I want you... Mm -hmm. If we give them a flyer to say, hey, I'm part of this organization, I'm here to see about getting some clothes dressed for success so I can go to a job interview and and do things. So those are the things I wanted to hopefully work out with this job fair thing. Um, But COVID really took a a toll on us from last year for me doing that. But I'm still keeping in touch with, you know, organizations – with the police in Prince George's County say, hey, you know, uh, you know how things going? We want you there as well. Maybe have them talk about some of the things um, as far as, you know, if you get stopped by a police officer, how to conduct yourself um, with them. I mean, I've been stopped before I actually transitioned over and talk about being very, very nervous about being stopped and, your driver's license has your male name and, and gender, mm-hmm. and I'm presenting as a female. And I have to hand it, D.C. Police um, has a great program, um, and when the officer stopped me, he took my driver's license and registration, goes back to his cruiser, comes back up, and he goes, is this you in, in the driver's license? And I go, yeah. He says, how would you like me to address you? And I'm thinking in my head, mm. I don't care how address me just don't lock me up <laughs> uh, and it was for a traffic violation that I didn't think was a violation and but he explained it to me which I think is still kind of bogus but um, 
You know, because I was trying to argue back. It's like, wait a minute, didn't you see me allow the ambulance to back up into the firehouse? He goes, ma'am, I'm trying to explain to you now. So either you're going to listen to me or, you know, I can let you ramp on. I stopped right then and let him tell me uh, what happened and what's the law. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was interesting. But that's the kind, you know, once he told me, how would you like me to address you, my anxiety went way down. It was like, oh, wow, okay. I don't, you know, have to try to talk anything out or what's happening or anything like that. You know, I can, I'm okay. You know, he's addressing me as, as I am presenting myself. So that was great. I mean, that is, that, that is, that is really great. I can recall, um, I mean, you know, and that, that's just a very real thing that happens to many trans people. I know mm-hmm. I often think of, you know, I was looking at, um, I talked to Carter Brown, and I know that okay. once when uh, he was telling me how, um, even as a trans man, that, okay, first mm-hmm. of all, we know that driving while black, male, female, trans, I mean, you know, you're subject to get pulled over anyhow, but he was saying that that was one of the first things that he encountered that he was pulled over someplace because he was they saw him as a black man driving and he got pulled mm-hmm. over and then it was like he had to give him this ID that at that time didn't quite match. And now, right. I mean, to have you had this police officer who said, "How would you like for me to address you?" Wow. I mean, we we have come a I mean, it's a start. There's still a lot longer way to do, but to have a police officer recognize that they need to do that, you know, that right. that when they see that, it's not just automatically lock you up, you know, because there was a time where where you would find out, you know, you you wouldn't know what was going to happen. So, I mean, right. that was good. And speaking of Carter, now, you know, they just passed the Equality Act, and he was there, you know, and to see that trans people in that way are talking about employment laws and, and that um, we need more voices. You know, last year we lost a huge voice in Monica Roberts passing. But My here man. you are, I mean, you know, I mean, which is just like, you know, I still it was think sad to myself. See, it uh, was sad know, to I, see uh, Monica, Monica mm-hmm. pass away because I actually in 2017, I got the Monica Roberts Advocacy Award. So mm-hmm. to see her, her leave, uh, it was really sad, and it hit me hard, but um, mm-hmm. she really carried a torch. You know, and it was interesting because I had talked to her, I mean, maybe a month before she passed, and one of the things she was... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.